Chapter Nineteen of She. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Red Abrus. She by H. Rider Haggard. Give me a black goat. The conversation after this was of such a desultory order that I do not quite recollect it. For some reason, perhaps from a desire to keep her identity and character in reserve, Asha did not talk freely, as she usually did. Presently, however, she informed Leo that she had arranged a dance that night for our amusement. I was astonished to hear this, as I fancied that the Amahagar were much too gloomy a folk to indulge in any such frivolity. But as will presently more clearly appear, it turned out that an Amahagar dance has little in common with such fantastic festivities in other countries, savage or civilized. Then, as we were about to withdraw, she suggested that Leo might like to see some of the wonders of the caves, and as he gladly assented, thither we departed accompanied by job and bilali describe our visit would only be to repeat a great deal of what i have already said the tombs we entered were indeed different for the whole rock was a honeycomb of sepulchres for a long while it puzzled me to know what could have been done with the enormous quantities of rock that must have been dug out of these vast caves but i afterwards discovered that it was for the most part built into the walls and palaces of kor and also used to line the reservoirs and sewers l h h but the contents were nearly always similar afterwards we visited the pyramid of bones that had haunted my dreams on the previous night and from thence went down a long passage to one of the great vaults occupied by the bodies of the poorer citizens of imperial corps these bodies were not nearly so well preserved as were those of the wealthier classes many of them had no linen covering on them also they were buried from five hundred to one thousand in a single large vault the corpses in some instances being thickly piled one upon another like a heap of slain leo was of course intensely interested in this stupendous and unequalled sight which was indeed enough to awake all the imagination a man had in him into the most active life but to poor job it did not prove attractive his nerves already seriously shaken by what he had undergone since we had arrived in this terrible country were as may be imagined still further disturbed by the spectacle of masses of departed humanity whereof the forms still remained perfect before his eyes though their voices were for ever lost in the eternal silence of the tomb nor was he comforted when old bilali by way of soothing his evident agitation informed him that he should not be frightened of these dead things as he would soon be like them himself there's a nice thing to say of a man sir he ejaculated when i translated this little remark but there what can one expect of an old man-eating savage not but what i dare say he is right and job sighed 
when we had finished inspecting the caves we returned and had our meal for it was now past four in the afternoon and we all especially leo needed some food and rest at six o'clock we together with job waited on asha who set to work to terrify our poor servant still further by showing him pictures on the pool of water in the font-like vessel she learned from me that he was one of seventeen children and then bid him think of all his brothers and sisters or as many of them as he could gathered together in his father's cottage then she told him to look in the water and there reflected from its stilly surface was that dead scene of many years gone by as it was recalled to our retainer's brain some of the faces were clear enough but some were mere blurs and splotches or with one feature grossly exaggerated the fact being that in these instances job had been unable to recall the exact appearances of the individuals or remembered them only by a peculiarity of his tribe and the water could only reflect what he saw with his mind's eye for it must be remembered that she's power in this matter was strictly limited she could apparently except in very rare instances only photograph upon the water what was actually in the mind of someone present and then only by his will but if she was personally acquainted with the locality she could as in the case of ourselves and the whale boat throw its reflection upon the water and also it seems the reflection of anything extraneous that was passing there at a time this power however did not extend to the minds of others for instance she could show me the interior of my college chapel as i remembered it but not as it was at the moment of reflection for where other people were concerned her art was strictly limited to the facts or memories present to their consciousness at the moment so much was this so that when we tried for her amusement to show her pictures of noted buildings such as st paul's or the houses of parliament the result was most imperfect for of course though we had a good general idea of their appearance we could not recall all the architectural details and therefore the minutiae necessary to a perfect reflection were wanting but job could not be got to understand this and so far from accepting a natural explanation of the matter which was after all though strange enough in all conscience nothing more than an instance of glorified and perfected telepathy he set the whole thing down as a manifestation of the blackest magic i shall never forget the howl of terror which he uttered when he saw the more or less perfect portraits of his long-scattered brethren staring at him from the quiet water or the merry peal of laughter with which asha greeted his consternation as for leo he did not altogether like it either but ran his fingers through his yellow curls and remarked that it gave him the creeps after about an hour of this amusement in the latter part of which job did not participate the mutes by signs indicated that bilali was waiting for an audience accordingly he was told to crawl up which he did as awkwardly as usual and announced that the dance was ready to begin if she and the white strangers would be pleased to attend shortly afterwards we all rose and asha having thrown a dark cloak the same by the way that she had worn when i saw her cursing by the fire 
over her white trappings we started the dance was to be held in the open air on the smooth rocky plateau in front of the great cave and thither we made our way about fifteen paces from the mouth of the cave we found three chairs placed and here we sat and waited for as yet no dancers were to be seen the night was almost but not quite dark the moon not having risen as yet which made us wonder how we should be able to see the dancing thou wilt presently understand said asa with a little laugh when leo asked her and we certainly did scarcely were the words out of her mouth when from every point we saw dark forms rushing up each bearing with him what we at first took to be an enormous flaming torch whatever they were they were burning furiously for the flames stood out a yard or more behind each bearer on they came fifty or more of them carrying their flaming burdens and looking like so many devils from hell leo was the first to discover what these burdens were great heaven he said they are corpses on fire i stared and stared again he was perfectly right the torches that were to light our entertainment were human mummies from the caves on rushed the bearers of the flaming corpses and meeting at a spot about twenty paces in front of us built their ghastly burdens crossways into a huge bonfire heavens how they roared and flared no tar barrel could have burnt as those mummies did nor was this all suddenly i saw one great fellow seize a flaming human arm that had fallen from its parent frame and rush off into the darkness presently he stopped and a tall streak of fire shot up into the air illumining the gloom and also the lamp from which it sprang that lamp was the mummy of a woman tied to a stout stake let into the rock and he had fired her hair on he went a few paces and touched a second then a third and a fourth till at last we were surrounded on all three sides by a great ring of bodies flaring furiously the material with which they were preserved having rendered them so inflammable that the flames would literally sprout out of the ears and mouth in tongues of fire a foot or more in length nero illuminated his gardens with live christians soaked in tar and we were now treated to a similar spectacle probably for the first time since his day only happily our lamps were not living ones but although this element of horror was fortunately wanting to describe the awful and hideous grandeur of the spectacle thus presented to us is i feel so absolutely beyond my powers that i scarcely dare attempt it to begin with it appealed to the moral as well as the physical susceptibilities there was something very terrible and yet very fascinating about the employment of the remote dead to illumine the orgies of the living in itself the thing was a satire both on the living and the dead caesar's dust or is it alexander's may stop a bunghole but the functions of these dead caesars of the past was to light up a savage fetish dance to such base uses may we come of so little account may we be in the minds of the eager multitudes that we shall breed many of whom so far from revering our memory will live to curse us for begetting them into such a world of woe then there was the physical side of the spectacle and a weird and splendid one it was 
those old citizens of Cor burnt as, to judge from their sculptures and inscriptions, they had lived very fast, and with the utmost liberality. What is more, there were plenty of them. As soon as ever a mummy had bunt down to the ankles, which it did in about twenty minutes, the feet were kicked away, and another one put in its place. The bonfire was kept going on the same generous scale, and its flames shot with a hiss and a crackle, twenty or thirty feet into the air, throwing great flashes of light far out into the gloom, through which the dark forms of the Amahagar flitted to and fro like devils replenishing the infernal fires. We all stood and stared aghast, shocked, and yet fascinated at so strange a spectacle, and half expecting to see the spirits those flaming forms had once enclosed come creeping from the shadows to work vengeance on their desecrators. I promise thee a strange sight, my holy, laughed Asha, whose nerves alone did not seem to be affected, and behold, I have not failed thee. Also it hath its lesson. Trust not to the future, for who knows what the future may bring. Therefore, Live for the day, and endeavour not to escape the dust which seems to be man's end. What thinkest thou those long-forgotten nobles and ladies would have felt, had they known that they should one day flare to light the dance or boil the pot of savages? But see, here come the dancers, a merry crew, are they not? The stage is lit, now for the play. As she spoke, we perceived two lines of figures, one male and the other female, to the number of about a hundred, each advancing round the human bonfire, arid only in the usual leopard and buckskins. They formed up, in perfect silence, in two lines, facing each other between us and the fire, and then the dance, a sort of infernal and fiendish cancan, began. To describe it is quite impossible, but though there was a good deal of tossing of legs and double shuffling, it seemed to our untutored minds to be more of a play than a dance, and as usual with this dreadful people, whose minds seem to have taken their colour from the caves in which they live, and whose jokes and amusements are drawn from the inexhaustible stores of preserved mortality with which they share their homes, the subject appeared to be a most ghastly one. I know that it represented an attempted murder first of all, and then the burial alive of the victim and his struggling from the grave, each act of the abominable drama, which was carried on in perfect silence, being rounded off and finished with a furious and most revolting dance round the supposed victim who writhed upon the ground in the red light of the bonfire. Presently, however, this pleasing piece was interrupted, Suddenly there was a slight commotion, and a large powerful woman, whom I had noted as one of the most vigorous of the dancers, came, made mad and drunken with unholy excitement, bounding and staggering towards us, shrieking out as she came, I want a black goat! I must have a black goat! Bring me a black goat! and down she fell upon the rocky floor, foaming and writhing, and shrieking for a black goat, about as hideous a spectacle as can well be conceived. Instantly most of the dancers came up and got round her. 
though some still continued their capers in the background. "'She has got a devil!' called out one of them. "'Run and get a black goat! There, devil, keep quiet, keep quiet! You shall have the goat presently. They have gone to fetch it, devil! I want a black goat! I must have a black goat!' shrieked the foaming, rolling creature again. "'All right, devil! The goat will be here presently. Keep quiet! There's a good devil!' and so on till the goat, taken from a neighbouring kraal, did at last arrive, being dragged, bleeding on to the scene by its horns. "'Is it a black one? Is it a black one?' shrieked the possessed. "'Yes, yes, devil as black as night!' Then aside, "'Keep it behind thee. Don't let the devil see that it has got a white spot on its rump and another on its belly. In one minute, devil there cut his throat quick where's the saucer the goat the goat the goat give me the blood of my black goat i must have it don't you see i must have it oh 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 give me the blood of the goat at this moment a terrified bah announced that the poor goat had been sacrificed and the next minute a woman ran up with a saucer full of blood. This, the possessed creature, who was then raving and foaming her wildest, seized and drank, and was instantly recovered, and without a trace of hysteria, or fits, or being possessed, or whatever dreadful thing it was she was suffering from. She stretched her arms, smiled faintly, and walked quietly back to the dancers, who presently withdrew in a double line as they had come leaving the space between us and the bonfire deserted. I thought that the entertainment was now over, and feeling rather queer, was about to ask she if we could rise, when suddenly what at first I took to be a baboon came hopping round the fire, and was instantly met upon the other side by a lion, or rather a human being dressed in a lion's skin. Then came a goat, then a man wrapped in an ox hide, with the horns wobbling about in a ludicrous way. After him followed a blessbok, then an impala, then a kudu, then more goats, and many other animals, including a girl, sewn up in the shining scaly hide of a boa constrictor, several yards of which trailed along the ground behind her. When all the beasts had collected, they began to dance about in a lumbering, unnatural fashion, and to imitate the sounds produced by the respective animals they represented, till the whole air was alive with roars and bleating and the hissing of the snakes. This went on for a long time, till, getting tired of the pantomime, I asked Asha if there would be any objection to Leo and myself walking round to inspect the human torches, and, as she had nothing to say against it, we started striking round to the left. After looking at one or two of the flaming bodies, we were about to return, thoroughly disgusted with the grotesque weirdness of the spectacle, when our attention was attracted by one of the dancers, a particularly active leopard, that had separated itself from its fellow beasts, and was whisking about in our immediate neighbourhood, but gradually drawing into a spot where the shadow was darkest, equidistant between the two of the flaming mummies. Drawn by curiosity, we followed it, 
when suddenly it darted past us into the shadows beyond, and as it did so erected itself and whispered, Come, in a voice that we both recognized as that of Ustain. Without waiting to consult me, Leo turned and followed her into the outer darkness, and I, feeling sick enough at heart, went after them. The leopard crawled on for about fifty paces, a sufficient distance to be quite beyond the light of the fire and torches, and then Leo came up with it, or rather with Ustain. Oh, my lord, I heard her whisper, so I have found thee. Listen, I am in peril of my life from she who must be obeyed. Surely the baboon has told thee how she drove me from thee. I love thee, my lord, and thou art mine according to the custom of the country. I saved thy life. My lion, will thou cast me off now? Of course not, ejaculated Leo. I have been wondering whither thou hadst gone. Let us go and explain matters to the queen. Nay, nay, she would slay us. Thou knowest not her power. The baboon there he knoweth, for he saw. Nay, there is but one way. If thou wilt cleave to me, thou must flee with me across the marshes even now, and then perchance we may escape. For heaven's sake, Leo, I began, but she broke in. Nay, listen not to him. Swift, be swift. Death is in the air we breathe, even now mayhap she heareth us and without more ado she proceeded to back her arguments by throwing herself into his arms as she did so the leopard's head slipped from her hair and i saw the three white finger marks upon it gleaming faintly in the starlight once more realizing the desperate nature of the position i was about to interpose for i knew that leo was not too strong-minded where women were concerned when Oh, horror! I heard a little silvery laugh behind me. I turned round, and there was she herself, and with her Bilali and two male mutes. I gasped and nearly sank to the ground, for I knew that such a situation must result in some dreadful tragedy, of which it seemed exceedingly probable to me that I should be the first victim. As for Rustain, she untwined her arms and covered her eyes with her hands, while Leo, not knowing the full terror of the position, merely covered up, and looked as foolish as a man caught in such a trap would naturally do. End of chapter 19 Recording by Red Abrus January 2008